As we begin worship this morning, just sit quietly and close your eyes and imagine these words over you as a testimony of your experience and your potential experience in Christ. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the driver's license. That meant freedom. Suddenly I could do what I wanted to do, or so I thought. When I got older, success was graduating from college, making it through, getting into a career, making money. Little did I know what God had in store. Then success was getting married, having a family, and I never thought that would happen. Ever, because I was perfectly happy being independent. But in every walk of life, success has always, for me, for the most part, and I'm sure it is for you, been based on what I'm doing, based on what energy that I put towards something, based on what motivation that I think will bring me happiness. And all across our society and our culture today, people are doing things motivated by their own ambition, motivated by this or that, trying to be successful, aiming for something. But lo and behold, oftentimes what we aim for is not something that is eternal. And oftentimes we have been more than willing to sacrifice what is eternal on the altar of what is temporal, rather than allowing what is eternal to be the motivation within us. And I've often thought, you know, it's a scary thought when you look in the New Testament, when you look in the Gospels, and you see Jesus, or you see this individual, the story kind of as the Scripture speaks, you see this unfolding drama as someone who has told people about Jesus, someone who has served somebody that has been religious, somebody that seems to be put together well, somebody that's made for all practical purposes the right decision, somebody that is viewed well in other people's eyes, and they get before Christ when they are absent from the body as what 
Paul writes about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Jesus says to that person who has been diligent, who has been passionate, who has been a good person, who has told other people about Jesus, who has worked in Jesus' name, he says, away from me, I never knew you. Now, I don't know if that has ever haunted you, but it haunts me. Because I thought, wow, this is not someone who is adamantly opposed to God, not adamantly opposed to Jesus, but this is a person that actually believed that they were being used by God, that they were fulfilling God's call, that they were speaking in His name, that they were spreading the gospel, they were sharing the good news, and they've done all these things, and yet it ultimately fell short. What are we aiming for? The only way our testimony can be that our sin is completely diminished in the capacity of God. The only way that the soul, and that's what we're seeking, is soul freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from evil, having God, having captive of our hearts and our minds, is if we aim For the right thing. What are you aiming for this morning? Who are you aiming for? What will it take for you to have satisfaction? Now, if you went to work tomorrow and your employer asked you, what would it take for you to be satisfied? A lot of us, without even thinking, would say, more money. Just give me more money. Or we would say, you know what, I'd rather have time. I want more vacation. And we would use that and we would think to ourselves that if I could just have meet that threshold, or if I could just conquer that aspect of financial stability, then I would be satisfied. Now, I want you to think back. I want you to think back on your story. When you first got a job as a child or as a young adult, as a teenager, you made probably more money than you'd ever made before. And you thought, gosh, I mean, I made $3.62 an hour and I was wealthy. I mean, people, suddenly I had friends everywhere. Because <laughs> they knew if I went out to eat and they went out, to, I would just pay for it. Um, it's amazing. And I remember, and I, I've, I've shared this story in mixed company before. I remember when I, I was making, I was offered $12,000 to serve for 30 hours a week at a church, I thought, $12,000, that's awesome. That's child abuse. <laughs> there are labor laws, people. I remember when we went to Louisiana, my first full-time position. They offered me a salary, 40 hours a week, $30,000. Woo! Wow. Now I can afford to live like a king. Well, then you get two kids and you realize uh, the kingdom is a lot smaller than what you imagined. But in every walk of life, every stage of life, there have been these benchmarks. And when I was making 12, I thought, wow, if I could just make 20, that would be sufficient. Well, then I surpassed 12 and I surpassed 20. And I, well, if I could just make 30. And what I've realized is, that when you and I aim for the wrong things, 
we will never be satisfied. The truth of the matter is that you and I usually land in the vicinity of where we aim. I always, you know, you shoot for the heavens, you land among the stars. And here's the thing, when you and I are determined to do something, when we aim, when we focus on a specific thing, we may not reach that goal, but we're going to land along that trajectory. What are we aiming for? What satisfies us? Following God requires a conscious and deliberate effort. It is not automatic. In the life of the church, we, in many days, on many fronts, in many ministry areas, and in opportunities, we're aiming for multiple different things all around us. And I've said it's sort of like a shotgun approach. And do you have, I guess I would ask, do you have a shotgun approach to your life? Do you just kind of shoot off and then wherever... Wherever, you know, whatever's in that path, we just hope we get it. Or are you patterning your life strategically? Because I'm going to submit to you that the gospel is strategic. The church must be strategic. There are not many things we should pursue. There is one person we should pursue. There are not many, 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 many different accomplishments that we need to have. There's only one thing that you and I vitally need, and that is Jesus. We need Him every day, every second, every minute. What are we aiming for? Now, I realize tomorrow I think is spring or so to speak, and we've got Easter in a couple weeks, okay? And I know when it gets around Easter, we tend to focus on what's important, uh, dying Easter eggs. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll focus on Jesus. And for those, for those moments, for those moments, we're focused on the cross event, we're focused on the resurrection, and wow, and I'll hear this, listen, I can already predict it, I'm a good prophet, I will predict it. Easter Sunday, you will walk away from here and you'll say, wow, 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 I just felt, I felt God moving, it was amazing. God's moving every day. There's nothing extraordinary about Easter Sunday. What's extraordinary is being completely overwhelmed by Jesus Christ. When I was in New Orleans, and you, you, would, have to, you would really have to be there for this season of time to understand this, but uh, in New Orleans, Lent is not something you get on your clothes. Lent is actually a season that they celebrate in the life of the church because it's a Catholic community. And it, it always amazed me that you have Mardi Gras, which means Fat Tuesday, and it means basically in my redneck vernacular, live life high on the hog, okay? So on Tuesday, and they'll say this, the news media does this, the church will communicate this. I've had the, uh, the, arch, the Archdiocese of New Orleans will put out this. They'll have a, a priest on television uh, uh, during the news uh, cast during season Lent. They'll say, now look, as we enter the season of Lent on Wednesday, Mardi Gras on Tuesday, this will be the Sunday or, or the weekend before, it says, Live high on the hog on Tuesday. Go out and have your fun. Go out and party. Do whatever you want to. But when we get to Ash Wednesday, we need to be solemn, spiritual, sound, focusing on the body of Christ, making sure that we are spiritually in tune, giving up something that would help us to more and more focus on what is important. I mean, and I'm t- it's like night and day. It's like, go out, get drunk, get plastered, but get serious on Wednesday. 
I'm serious. That's the message. But you see, if our aim, if our aim is Christ, then we can't be about one thing on a Tuesday and suddenly live in resurrection power on Wednesday. We have to be consistent, conscious, and deliberate about what we do, how we live, what we're aiming for. And listen, we have to listen. We have to make sure that what we're aiming for is the right thing. Now, I had the privilege when I was in Louisiana of uh, having a, uh, going on a trip with some students. And the father on that trip had been a sniper in the Gulf War. And uh, I traveled with him, and we were talking, and he, w- he gave me... I-, I didn't know all these things until uh, Mark Wahlberg started a shooter, and then I kind of began to understand these things. Uh, but, you know, when you're shooting far away, and sometimes God seems like he's far away, there are a lot of things that go in to aiming correctly. There are a lot of things that go in to making sure you hit the target. And it's not just your sight, It's humidity. It's wind speed. All these things, all these things that I didn't even know existed that would affect a shoot, a shoot, uh, an effective shooting. All these things factor in. And sometimes you and I, we are so, so excited to be able to have a gun with some ammunition that we don't really care what we hit as long as we hit it. Sort of, like a, sort of like a kid in a candy store. Listen, as long as we can shine our shiny pistol, we're good. What are you aiming for? What is your purpose in having a spiritual arsenal? What is your purpose in following Christ? Is it to look good for mama on Easter Sunday? Or are you conscious and deliberate about your faith in Christ? We usually land in the vicinity of what we're aiming for. Pay attention to what you're focusing on. In the life of the church, we oftentimes get caught up in things that don't matter. And as I've said over and over and over and over and over, and I will continue to say over and over and over and over again, we have to make sure that what we're aiming for, what we are pursuing, what we are absolutely following and our ambition is centered on, is the main thing. Look in the passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Apostle Paul says, For we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that is your body. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan. In other words, we are longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling in eternity, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. And then he goes on to say, For while we are in this tent, referring to the body, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is more that is what is going to pass away may be swallowed up by what is life that is eternity, eternal life in Christ now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God God is placed in the human soul for those of you who are more scientific God has placed inherent in the DNA of every man, woman, child I think that covers everybody This need, this purpose, God has purposed everyone. God's mark is upon everyone. 
And that is why there are so many people today who are aimlessly searching for significance. Because they are trying to fill that purpose with something that it was never designed to fulfill. They're trying to fill their life with something that is never ever going to satisfy. How long must you and I go in this life before we recognize that our sufficiency, our satisfaction, our absolute completeness rests in God as revealed through Jesus Christ? Let me save you a lot of time. Let me save you a lot of heartache. And in this very room are people who have tried this, who have tried that, who have smoked this, who have injected this, who have taken this, who have been in this relationship and that relationship and slept with this person and slept with that person. In this very room, we are assembled in this very room with people who have sought to fill their life to be satisfied by things that have made us far more incomplete than we would have ever been if we would have simply lived as an island unto ourselves. That void, that issue, that knack that will not go away, that conviction, that emotion, that fluttering, that voice, that sound that's in the inner ear, that movement in your life that you are afraid to lean into is a most holy God who wants your life purposed after Him. And you can try this and you can try that. But until we surrender and until we aim for the main thing, until we set our attention, our scope on Jesus, period, we will always, always walk away disillusioned. We must be mindful. We must be mindful, deliberate, and conscious of what we're aiming for. In verse 5, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Spirit is working in you and me long before we ever trust in Christ. That's how we are convicted. That's how you and I know that something is wrong. Why? Because the Spirit of God is working. God created you with His imprint. It doesn't matter if you've lived and acted like the devil. You can't change what God has designed. And His purpose is there. It may be hidden. It may be covered. It may be tattooed. It may be squandered. It may be clothed. It may be a lot of things. But let me tell you something. You can't cut it out. You can't move away from it. The Spirit of God and His purpose is on you. What are you aiming for? You are never, ever, 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 ever going to be satisfied until you aim for what is most important, namely Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul goes on to say, Therefore we are confident, we are confident, and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, in other words, while we are here, we're away from the overwhelming presence of God. Now, we get to experience His presence, but it's not consistent and constant in most of our lives. We're not in His presence in the sense of what we will experience in this world to come. It says in verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. 
Church, we live by faith, not by sight. Church, we live by faith, not by sight. Things are not logical. Church is not logical. The business of the church is not logical because you and I are not called to be like any other corporation. We are called to be radically transformed, resurrected beings, the church, the body of Christ. We live by faith, not by sight. We're not always going to see. Always going to see where we're headed. But you and I, in our commitment, a conscious and deliberate commitment to aim for the main thing. So we make it our goal. Listen, we make it our goal. In other words, we aim what? To please Him. Our goal, our aim ultimately. Is to please Him. We must be mindful of what we are aiming for. What you and I need to recalculate our aim is to make sure that we're aiming to please God. Our first priority, and listen church, there's a lot of good people in this room that have missed this. Our first priority is not to share Christ. Our first priority is not to establish churches. Our first priority is not even, not even... To grow this church. God grows the church. Our priority is to please God. Period. That's how that person can go before Jesus and say, I served in your name. I told people about Jesus. I shared Christ. I've advanced your church. I built a church. I gave to a church. I helped people in the church. And Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. Wow. Because when you and I aim, listen, when you and I aim for less than God's very best, we will always fall short. God has not called us to live a good life. God has called us to live the best possible life. And the best possible life is always going to aim to please Him. How would your relationships, how would your life take on a difference, on a different nuance if your goal in your marriage was to please Him? Or your role as a father or a mother was to please Him? Or if your role in the church, whatever that may be, was to please Him? Think about that. In your marital situation oftentimes on our best days we are seeking to please the spouse that's what we'd say Uh, on our best day in our jobs we're seeking to impress or please the boss so that they'll take notice of us what would happen if we reorchestrated recalculated what we're aiming for, and if our aim and if our goal was ultimately to please Him, regardless of who else we ticked off. Years ago when I would interview for a church, and I've shared this with the staff and whatnot, you know, when you interview, and this is not just for church, even when you enter in corporate America or even what we would call a secular job, although there's nothing secular, everything is sacred unto God as long as you're seeking to please Him. 
When we interview, what do you do? You talk about your best, okay? When I get a litany of resumes for a position in the church, when we were looking for a youth pastor, there was a litany of resumes that came in. I'm looking for grammar. I'm looking for punctuation. I'm looking for theological errors in what they say. But listen, they are attempting to put their best foot forward. Nobody on their resume is going to show you or tell you or disclose to you the nasty. Because they're aiming to impress you so that you will hire them. We serve a God who knows our full resume. Not just what we want to selectively offer. He knows us backwards and forwards. I've told people, when you interview, I used to, and my wife would, you know, kind of guide me in this. You know, when we would interview, I would kind of tell people what I believe they want to hear. I'm pretty good at perceiving what people are looking for. I mean, in a church work, what do they want? They want somebody that's going to preach the gospel, want somebody to share the evangelism, somebody embody Christ, somebody that's going to lead and grow the church. I'm all about all that. Woo! I mean, Becky, did I tell you that? When I mean, when I got out of the car... To interview in this parking lot, John Hutchins met me at the door and he was like, oh, you're a lot shorter and a lot younger than we thought you would be. <laughs> and now they're thinking a lot of other things, but that's beside the point. But when I interviewed with them, I did exactly what I'd done in the previous position because I learned along the way that telling people what they want to hear is going to do them through a service and it's going to do me disservice. The best that we need to do is be transparent and say, this is me, I want to know who you are, present who you are, this is who I am. If it's a match, glory to God. If it's not, I'll see you later. It was a beautiful drive up here. Be careful what you aim for. Be a person of integrity. If you want God to shine in your public life, your public life is only going to match up to the extent that you are pursuing and aiming for God in your private life. Think about that. Would we want, and I just want to see a show of hands here, anybody, anybody in the room, if there's anybody in the room, would you want the nastiest part, and you know, if we thought about the things that we don't want other people to know in this room, would you mind if we, we put that on display? Could we show that on the, on the screen? How many of you would want that? <laughs> No, we are foolish to believe that God hasn't seen that, doesn't know about that. Aim to please God publicly and privately. And for those of you who've been radically saved by God, radically saved by Christ... And you've been praying about your call and your call on your life... ...because every single one of us has a calling... Again, I will tell you, quit praying for the call that you want and answer the call that you have. You will be far better, far more useful, far more satisfied in your life if everything that you do will seek to please Him in your profession, in how you handle family, co-workers, employers, employees... Do everything, not out of selfish ambition, but according to the Apostle Paul here in verse 9, we make it our goal, we make it our aim to please Him. Period. It is not 
a lack of spiritual energy. It is not a lack of spirituality that leads us to failure. But it is our inability to keep our eyes focused on what matters. Our inability to sense where God is moving and lean and surrender our lives to it to make sure that the positions that we take, the encouragement that we give, ultimately is to please Him. How would the church be different if everything that we did, we did nothing out of selfish ambition, and if everything that we did was seeking to Please him. I can tell you as a preacher, I would speak a lot less and listen a lot more. Would that be true for you? If everything we did was to please him, everything must relate to our primary aim, to our primary goal, and making sure we are pleasing him. Listen, person who's created in the image of a most holy God. The Bible tells us here in 2 Corinthians... That He has purposed you. He has purpose for your life. You may not have discovered it. You may not have leaned into it. You may not have answered it. Just because you don't know it, just because you haven't felt it, doesn't mean it's not real. Feelings can lie. They often lie. You and I have a divine purpose. A divine maker. His imprint is upon us. Each of us. He created you. All of us from more than where we are today. Our ambition, our aim, our goal must be to please Him in every walk of life. So I ask you, if what you're aiming for, if the person you're aiming for, if anything that you're aiming for is not ultimately pleasing to Him, you need to kill it dead in the water. Just kill it. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how helpful it is. If it's not pleasing to God, let go of it. In the life of the church, we cannot just pursue what is good. We've got to make sure that we pursue God's very best and we can never, ever, 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 ever settle for anything less than God's very best. Making sure that all that we do pleases Him. Maybe this morning you're in a rut Maybe this morning you feel incomplete. Maybe this morning you feel despondent. Maybe this morning you feel hurt, broken, burdened, distant. Have you been living your life to please Him? Or have you been trying to please someone else? Something else? Have you been running on empty for so long that you don't know what it's like to live on full, fully committed, fully trusting, fully overwhelmed? Our greatest moments in life are not the moments we control. Our greatest moments in life are in the moments that we surrender. Our greatest moments in life are not when we are on the mountaintop. Our greatest moments in life is when you and I have hit rock bottom and there's nowhere else to go. And what we recognize is He is with us 
in the midst of it. Because our God that we serve, who has purposed us for glory, who has purposed us far greater than we could ask or imagine, He is not expecting us necessarily to live up to His standard. He is going to reach down in the midst of our standard and bring us up to His. Therefore, when you come to God, you don't have to be pure. You don't have to be white and clean. You don't have to be anything. All you have to do is be willing to come. God is in the business of restoring. Do we make it our goal or our aim to please Him? Only you can answer that question for your life. Are you pleasing Him this morning? For those of you who have been journeying, for those of you who have made mistakes, which is all of us, for those of you who are distant from God, it's not going to get better. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to feel complete. You're not going to feel overwhelmed in a sense of joy until you, you make a change for Him. Because He's not going to force you to love Him. It's not automatic. We have to be deliberate. We make a decision to pattern and aim and focus our life to Him so that what we do, so that what we say, so what we believe, so how we live pleases the Almighty God who has gone before us and made a provision and a way when we, when we seemed helpless, despondent, depraved, depressed, and on and on. If you're tired of living life the way it's going, maybe you need to focus and ask yourself, what have I been aiming for? Because when we aim for something that doesn't matter and it falls short, it's not going to matter anyway. We'll always be incomplete. And I can preach scripture and scripture and scripture. I can tell you all about Jesus. I can tell you all about the hope. And you can, listen, I'm not interested in your emotional response to preaching. I'm not interested in your emotional response to a service. I'm not interested in the tears that you may shed. I'm interested in the life that can be redirected, repositioned, aiming for what matters. Because I know this. That when we individually and collectively make it our goal, our ambition, and when we aim to please Him, our oppression, our bad attitude, our cynicism, our hurt, and our pain diminishes in the capacity of a God who knows far more pain, far more rejection far more anxiety, far more fear than we have ever realized. Jesus Christ made it His aim to please the Father to the point that He was willing to die in order to fulfill God's will. What are you willing to do to fulfill God's will? And I'll close with this. If you're thinking that you can fulfill and please God by living the way you want to live life 
there is no resurrection. There is no living eternally without dying in the here and now. Die today. Let go of it. Quit trying to lead your life and allow God to lead you a life that is pleasing, a life that aims to please, a life that's centered in His will. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ, if you're here this morning and you've done life the way you've wanted and you've recognized over a series of events the unfolding drama of your life. Some of you who have this unfolding drama have put it out on Facebook and everywhere else. If you have one of those drama-filled lives that you feel compelled to put out there, let me tell you something. God's not interested in the drama that's out there. God's interested in what's going on in here. He can change your life. He can bring your depression into one of the greatest moments of your life. He can heal you. He can set you free. But you and I will always be tied down until we aim, aim, aim for what matters. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, as we come into this time of invitation, as we sing in Christ alone, may that be our testimony. That it's in Christ alone that we find our sense of security and our belonging, that we would aim for what really matters. If there's someone in this room who's never trusted in Christ and they want to know him today, if there's someone in this room who has gone along life's way and they become despondent and they've just really been detached, they feel like they are completely separated from the life that's in Christ, Today, as you speak and as your Holy Spirit works, would they have the courage to come? The courage to come to receive Christ, the courage to come to be renewed. If there's others that would like to join and be a part of this body of Christ at First Baptist Church, I pray that you would let them know that as well. This invitation is ours to respond. It is God's to speak. He's speaking. Can we hear? Are we living a life that's aiming for the main thing? Are we living a life that's aiming to please the Lord. Father, may that be our testimony. May that be our ambition. May that be what we are defined by. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Won't you come as the Holy Spirit leads?